Today we're starting a brand new series called The Big Life. The Big Life. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, the world of the generous, it's just getting larger and larger. And when I talk about larger and larger, I'm not just talking about bigger cars or bigger houses or uh, bigger bank accounts. I'm talking about a big mind, a big spirit, big capacity, big dreams, big praise, big worship, big prayer, big faith. I'm talking about whenever we do things like we're about to do with this toy drive, there is big expectancy. There's a big response because we're not living a small life all about us, but rather we're living a big life to impact our world. Amen. And so God has a big life for every one of us, a life that impacts nations, a life that impacts generations to come, and a life that doesn't just repeat history, but makes history. And we know that this life does not come by taking. It actually comes by living with open hands. God told Abraham, Abraham, I'm gonna make you great. And that's in our spiritual DNA to be great. But then we find out that this greatness is not just for us. He said, Abraham, I'm gonna make you great and I'm gonna bless you so that you can be a blessing. And uh, he told the disciples, you want to be great? And they all said, yes. He said, awesome, then serve. Because the greatest among you will be the servant. So it's a little upside down, but it's really right side up because it's the kingdom way. And so this is going to be an amazing series. Not a, it's not a money series. It's a generosity series. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. So don't, uh, don't skip out next week, okay? I need you to come back next week. <laughs> Some of you are like, perfect, I've been planning a vacation, this is it. No, 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 I need you back. I need you back. And uh, it's not going to be a pressure series or a weird series. It's, it's all about you living the abundant life Jesus came to give you. So we're going to start here in John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 1. And uh, if you have a Bible, turn there. If you don't, don't worry, it'll be on the screen for you. And, uh, and the Bible says this. The Bible says that six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany at the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus's honor. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made of the essence of nard and she anointed Jesus' feet. Wiping his feet with her hair, the house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, this perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold in the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. And then the Bible said this in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. These three things will remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. I want to talk for a few minutes today for, um, about this woman, Mary. And I want to talk about um, why she gave. Why she gave. What caused this woman to give? And maybe it would help us to live a more generous life as well. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you that you're speaking. Thank you that you have a plan for every person in this room, that no one is here by accident, but everyone is here by divine appointment. Speak, Holy Spirit. We are listening, and we are ready for everything you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen, <clears throat> and amen. Um, I don't know if you've uh, 
ever been in a situation where people just didn't get it? Like you tell a joke, that's awesome. And they didn't laugh. And you look at them and remind them, I'm funny. You're not funny. <laughs> Ladies, you tell your husband something amazing and deep and profound for 20 minutes. And then they look up and go, huh? <laughs> Uh, you post a picture on Instagram and it's fire and you're expecting a new likes record and uh, no one likes it, amen? And you go, they're all haters and you delete the picture, you know what I mean? Because ain't nobody, nobody can celebrate. Uh, tell your teenager some beautiful deep truth about life and wisdom and integrity and choices and they just stare at you with a Krispy Kreme glazed look on their face, you know, and at that moment you wonder is slapping more effective you know what I mean like just maybe that would do the job uh, they just don't get it we're, we're, we're in a scene in John 12 where they just don't get it it's a dinner to honor Jesus and nobody's honoring Jesus it's a dinner that Lazarus threw to honor Jesus for raising him from the dead and now they're at a dinner to celebrate Jesus and nobody's celebrating Jesus. Side note, I never want us to be a church that gathers to celebrate Jesus and then we don't celebrate Jesus. I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a church that gathers to worship Jesus and then we don't worship Jesus, to praise Jesus and then we don't praise Jesus, to, to glorify Jesus and seek Jesus and then we never glorify Jesus. I, I just want to remind everybody, we will always be a worshiping church, a praying church and a praising church because this whole thing by the way, is all about Jesus. This whole thing is a celebration of Jesus. He is our guest of honor, and we've come to magnify the Lord. Come on, can you clap your hands? And we celebrate that name, the only name that can save, the only name. It's the name of Jesus. And so they're in a dinner to honor Jesus, and no one's honoring him because no one saw in that moment the significance of honoring Jesus with a gift. But there was this one woman who broke through the crowd, past the opinion of man, and beyond cultural norms, and she gave extravagantly, she gave generously, and she gave what she did have to honor Jesus. And the question simply is why? What caused this woman to do this? What causes a person to live a generous life? What, what causes an American Christian to give 10% of their income instead of the average, which is 2%? What causes a person to give their life away and serve in a local church? What causes a person to, to buy coats and blankets and gloves and toys for someone they'll never meet? What, what, what causes a person to, to not fight for their own thing, but open their hands to a God thing? And, and I think we have some truths here in John 12 that can help all of us. This is not a message to convince anyone to give. It's really a message to givers to show you the significance of your gift. And so I'm not trying to convince anyone. I'm not trying to change anyone's mind. Um, I'm actually here to encourage the convinced. <laughs> and then if you're the unconvinced, I want you to just continue to pray and decide your part to play. And I didn't mean to rhyme, but... <laughs> I was going to be a rapper, and then the Lord called me to preach, so I had to, <laughs> I had to give that side of my life away. Number one, <laughs> nobody believes that, huh? Number one, 
Number one, she gave because of her past. And from 1 Corinthians 13, 13, I call this, Alan, a love gift. Faith, hope, and love. This was a love gift. She, she gave to Jesus simply because she loved Jesus. She gave to Jesus simply because of what Jesus had already done in her life. See, you can't appreciate John 12 until you understand John 11. It was in John 11 that her brother Lazarus was dead, but he wasn't just dead. He was dead, dead. The Bible called him four days dead. Now, this is significant, not significant to an American, very significant to a Jewish mind, because the rabbis taught that on the fourth day, the soul left the body, went into eternity, and there was no hope for resurrection. So Jesus purposely waited four days so that the situation would become hopeless, so that all eyes would not be on religion, all eyes would not be on ritual, all eyes would not be on tradition, and all eyes would not be on what could happen, but all eyes had to be on Jesus. Jesus waited until Lazarus was four days dead, and then he walked into a graveyard, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the reason he didn't say come forth is if he would have said come forth, that thing would have looked like thriller, and everybody would have been coming out Everyone would have been coming out of the grave, but on that day, only one was assigned to resurrection. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And on that day, Lazarus came forth, was raised from the dead. And Mary was so grateful for what Jesus did for her brother that she had to thank him. And I just want to remind anybody in this room who is a believer, you have also experienced resurrection. I've never been raised from the dead. Yes, you have. Colossians chapter 3 says that we were dead. Dead. If some of y'all know your life before Jesus, you were hopelessly dead. You were four days dead. You weren't looking for God, calling upon God, wondering, hmm, is there a greater power? No, you were, you was dead. And on the fourth day, Jesus showed up. And and I don't know about you, but on the fourth day, he said, Jabin, come forth. And maybe that's your testimony. I was dead in my sin. I was dead in my transgressions. But Jesus showed up out of nowhere. And he raised me from the dead. Friend, where would we be without the grace of God? Who would we be without the grace of God? Whose would we be without the grace of God? God has been good to us. God has been good to me. God has been good to you. I was dead but he lifted me I was lost but he found me I was blind but he gave me sight I was deaf but he gave me ears to hear I was lame but he gave me legs to walk I was weak but he gave me power and he resurrected my life and the reason I give is not to make God do anything but to thank God for everything that he's already done I'm grateful anybody grateful let's give God some praise come on She looked at her breathing brother. She said, I got to thank Jesus. Sometimes it's just good to feel your pulse and go, I just got to thank Jesus. A lot of people didn't wake up this morning, but I did. There's still something on my life. There's still an assignment for me to fulfill. There's still a praise for me to give. There's still an offering to sow because I'm still here. He raised me up. I'm not perfect, but I'm still here. (laughs) I don't have it all together yet, but I'm still 
here. I don't have everything I want, but I'm still here. I'm a little scarred and a little battle-worn, but I'm still here. Life didn't work out exactly how I thought life was going to work out, but I'm still here. And like the psalmist in Psalm 124, I can say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where would I be. So I just thank God I'm still breathing. I'm still kicking. I'm still fighting. I'm still praising. I'm still praying. And as long as I'm still breathing, I'm going to keep giving because I'm still here. I'm grateful that at 10, 15 in the morning, I could still be in church, that I still got my right mind, that I still got a body that can worship. I'm just, I'm just grateful for the little things. I'm, I'm actually grateful for nothing. I'm grateful that nothing happened when something could have happened. I'm grateful that, that nothing happened when I could have died in the car wreck. I, I'm grateful that nothing happened when I had that tumor and we thought it was cancer, but it didn't end up being cancer. I'm just, I'm, I'm just great. I'm grateful for something, but I'm also grateful for nothing. I'm grateful that I had a boring week this week. I'm grateful that there was no events, no crisis, no emergency. It was just, it was just kind of a good, kind of boring week, but I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for everything, but I'm just grateful for nothing. I'm just, just grateful. And she just looks at her breathing brother and goes, I want to honor, I want to honor the master for what he's done in my life. Number two, she gave in her present. Now, there's an amazing statistic that I'll, I'll share in its entirety over the next few weeks. But basically in America, the more money you make, the less money you give. And... Uh, the, the number one givers percentage-wise in America are those who make under $25,000 a year, which is amazing. And the smallest givers in America are those who make over 250000 a year. Now, here's the only reason I'm saying that. Because some of y'all are saying, if I made more, I would give. No. <laughs> you just wouldn't. Uh, because your car gets more expensive and your house gets more expensive. And all of a sudden, that little phone doesn't cut it anymore, and you need a better phone, and, and you need more channels on your TV, and all of a sudden, you need filet mignon four nights a week, and all of a sudden, your, your kid's school isn't good enough. And basically, as you earn more, needs grow. Now, that's not a good thing, but it's just a real thing. And the people who give the least in our nation are those who make the most. I'm, only, I'm not saying that to judge anyone or anything like that. I'm, I'm saying that to just say... No matter if you're on a $20,000 a year fixed income or you're on $10 million a year, faith, uh, giving takes faith. Did y'all hear me? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care where you're at in the spectrum. I don't care what you're, I, I'm just telling you, no matter where you're at, giving takes faith. And she, this is what I call a faith gift. She had to give in her present. And every time we give, it's an act of faith. And let's not forget why she had the perfume. A lot of people don't know this. But that's why I'm the pastor, so I'm here to teach you. Amen. So, She had this perfume. Why did she have this perfume? Well, because as Lazarus would have begun to die, they would have went out, given their probably life savings away, and they would have bought him this bottle of perfume. And as he was dying, they would have begun to anoint his body with this beautiful perfume so that the oldest person in the family would die with dignity. It was a way to honor Lazarus. So they begin to anoint his body little by little every day. And then when he died, they would have poured more. And then day two, they would have poured more. And day three, they would have poured more. And day four, they would have poured more. And they would have done this for day after day after day until they finally ran out of the oil. That's why if you remember in, in when Jesus dies on the third day, 
Remember, they went to anoint his body because this is something they would have been doing every day. And remember, they showed up and he wasn't there. Hallelujah, because he's not there. And amen, that's just, that's a side note, but thank God he's not there. A lot of other leaders of religions are still in their graves, but he's, all of them are actually, but he's not because he, but anyway, so <laughs> she, she had the oil and she would have been using the oil and she would have used a certain amount of the oil, but not all the oil. So she uses what she did have left to honor Jesus. <laughs> what she did have, she shouldn't have had. Because she should have used it all on her brother. But Jesus messed up that funeral. So now she's left with something that she should have never had because she should have used it all on Lazarus. But the moment Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, she now has this little bit of oil left over. It wasn't all of it, but it was some of it. It wasn't everything, but it was something. And she now uses what she has left to honor Jesus. And what you have might not be enough, but it's enough to honor Jesus. What you have might not feel like enough to really honor God or enough to sustain your need. By the way, that tithe will not sustain your need. That's why I believe that if it's not enough to meet a need, it's enough to sow a seed. And so she, she takes this little bit left and she gives it to Jesus. When we sow into the kingdom of God, we give God our not enough. It's, it's, it's Mark chapter 6 when, when Jesus says, let's feed these 5,000 people. And they didn't have anything but a couple of pieces of bread and a couple of pieces of fish. It wasn't enough in the boy's hands. <laughs> but the moment he handed it to Jesus, it became more than enough. And what you hold in your hand is never enough. But the moment you give it to Jesus, it becomes more than enough. So when you give Jesus, you're not enough. You're not enough will be blessed and he will make it more than enough. He, he takes your little and he makes it much. He takes your not enough and he turns it into more than enough. He, he takes what you have left and he multiplies it and he blesses it and he turns it into more than enough. She took this oil. She poured it on the feet of Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus does a miracle with it. And listen, in verse 5, Judas rises up and he says, this is a waste. By the way, every time you give, the enemy will speak to you and he'll say, this was a waste. Anyone live long enough? I mean, am I the only one? Am I the only one with like a flesh that, I mean, you're full of faith on Sunday and you write that check or you write down your card or you sew online, praise God. And then it hits your bank account, right? And the devil goes, that was a waste. Because the devil will tell you a million things you could have done with that money. Things you never even thought you wanted, but he'll tell you, man, you could, have had a, you could have had a boat by now. You get seasick. You don't want a boat. <laughs> but he'll just, 
still, you know what I mean? It's stupid. Yeah, you could have bought a Harley by now with all that money. It's like, you're afraid of motorcycles. But you know what I mean? It's like, but something in you is like, man, I could have bought a Harley. He'll always tell you it's a waste. He'll, he'll, always, he'll always try to give you a reason to not be generous. There will always be the voice of Judas that will rise up in generosity. Flesh never applauds faith. So I don't give to feel good. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Well, I thought God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah, but he doesn't hate an uncheerful giver. (laughs) Like, I love being a cheerful giver. Now, I wasn't always a cheerful giver. At first, it was sowing in tears. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Now it's easy. It wasn't always that way. But but, but you got to learn. And there will always be a voice of Judas to try to talk you out of generosity. But listen, there will always be the voice of Jesus. Because he said in verse 7, leave her alone. Jesus will always defend the giver. Come on, somebody. He'll always defend the seed sower. He said it like this in Malachi chapter 3, verse 11. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He said, the moment you become a sower, the moment you begin to sow seed, you don't even have to rebuke the devil anymore. I'll do it for you. Because when you come into a financial covenant with me, God says, I will take personal responsibility to silence the voice of Judas, to silence the voice of the enemy. I will rebuke everything that is trying to devour you. God says, when you sow, what you do is you invite me into your finances to get personally involved with the 90% and I promise I will protect it and I will cover it and I will bless it in ways that you can see and in ways that you cannot see. So, so check this out. My gift speaks to God and when I give, God speaks for me. Can you say amen? amen. <laughs> Jesus said this is a special moment. Lastly, She gave into her future. He said, this is a special moment. She's done this to anoint me for my burial. See, no one believed that Jesus was actually going to die on the cross. No one. Every time he would talk about it, they would ignore it. Peter actually rebuked him and said, stop talking about all this cross stuff. And Jesus then rebuked Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan, because your mind is of the world, not of the kingdom. No one actually believed Jesus was going to die on a cross six days later. Okay, hear me. She didn't understand the significance of her gift. And can I submit to you that we don't understand the significance of our gift. Jesus said this gift will make an eternal kingdom impact and I want to tell you every tither in the house your tithe makes an eternal kingdom impact (laughs) it it leaves your hand but it doesn't leave your life 
Think about a farmer on a field and they throw that seed. Does it leave their hand? Yeah, but it doesn't leave their life. Help me preach over here. Who's ever helping me preach? Help me preach. It doesn't leave, it doesn't leave their life. The farmer doesn't leave the field. Now, by the way, he doesn't come the next morning looking for a harvest either. Some of you are like, I tried tithing and four hours later, I still didn't have a breakthrough. Well, a farmer doesn't throw seed and an hour later come back and go, where's the alfalfa? Where's the corn? Where's the tomatoes? No, no, no. It takes time. Giving is, is a long game. Giving and receiving is a long game. You don't, you don't just, it's a long game. But when I sow, when, it, when, when you put the money in the bucket, it, it leaves your hand, but it doesn't leave your life. When you go online and you give it, it, it leaves your hand, but it doesn't leave your life. When the woman gave it, it, it left her hand, but it didn't leave her life. Because Jesus said, there is actually an eternal significance to what she's doing that y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even believe. You just think you're giving to a man. You just think you're helping a church. You just think you're supporting a preacher. Well, none of that's even the case. You're actually giving into something you're... She is connecting to the salvation of mankind. That's why in Luke 16, you'll have to read it later. Jesus said people will come up to you and greet you who are your friends that you've never met, but you made friends in the earth when you gave. People are going are to walk up to you in heaven and go, Javen was preaching and I got saved, but you bought the chair. But you gave in the miracle offering that paid for the carpet. So I just want to thank you for your part. And you're going to go, but I never met you. But the people will walk up to you in eternity and go, hey, you bought me a toy when I was a kid. Hey, you bought me gloves. You got me a blanket and a coat. Thank you, because it opened my heart to the gospel. And I got saved one day. And you started the seed. You started tilling the ground. And that seed that you sowed, it left your hand, but it never left your life. So Paul would say this in Philippians 4. He would say, everything we do goes into a heavenly account. I ain't trying to convince anybody. I'm just trying to encourage somebody. So so look what he says in Hebrews. Uh, Let me set this up. When we give, we sow that seed down our generational line my seed doesn't just bless me it blesses the generations to come Hebrews in addition we might even say that the Levites the ones who collect the tithe paid a tithe to Melchizedek notice when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe when you sow God says Cooper sowed (laughs) when I give God says Goldie's a tither (laughs) keep reading in addition or uh, excuse me for although Levi wasn't born yet by the way when Abraham gave to Melchizedek that was 500 years before Levi was even a glimmer in his daddy's eye The seed from which he came was in Abraham's body. 
when Melchizedek blessed or collected the tithe from him. The moment Abraham sowed, it started a cycle, but a good cycle. For the last five weeks, I've talked about bad cycles. Let's talk about a good cycle real quick. The moment you tithe and give your offering to your heavenly Melchizedek, which Hebrews 7 will tell us is Jesus, whenever you sow that seed, it starts a cycle of God's blessing in your family. It starts a cycle of abundance. It starts a cycle of blessing. It's why in Psalm 37, the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. God says, I'm going to take care of your kids for your obedience. I don't got any kids yet. You might, you might not have. This was 500 years later. But God says, I'm going to bless the whole house. I'm going to bless everything you're connected to. I'm going to bless the generations to come. I'm going to bless your family line for the seed you sowed. I'm trying to keep it together. Because I actually can't convince you of this it can only be experienced but Alan God says I'm going to honor you for honoring me and I'm already setting up a cycle of blessing see I'm standing on the shoulders of my parents who are not wealthy And Shannon's standing on the shoulders of her parents who are not wealthy, but they've always tithed. Because I'm not promising you that a giver, you you know, you wake up the next morning to a Bentley or, now if that happens, cool, and I want to ride. (laughs) I'm not saying you tithe in the next morning, oh my gosh, a million dollars popped in my bank. I'm not talking about that. That is, that's, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a big life. See, because everything my parents sowed into and everything Shannon's parents sowed into, they now reap through us. So every time someone gets saved in this church, God looks at my dad and he goes, you played a part. And he looks at Shannon's dad and he goes, you played a part. And you lived a big life. Not a lot of money, but you lived a big life. Never owned a big house, but you lived a big life. Never drove a big car, but you lived a big life. And so now we're in the cycle. And what happens is it grows. And it grows. Have you ever seen, have you ever thrown a a rock in a lake and it starts small and it gets bigger? And see, you might be first generation blessing. But it's going to get bigger for your kids. And then it's going to get bigger for your grandkids. And then it's going to get bigger for your great-grandkids. Because you're starting a cycle. I'm just telling you what you do is significant. It's significant for you. It's significant for your family. And it's significant for the kingdom. So she gave because she was grateful. She gave by faith. And she gave into her future. And that's why I give. 
So here's, here's your response today. If you're a tither, you can go to God with this. And you can stand on his word and on his promise and go, Lord, as I bless your house, would you continue to bless me in supernatural ways, undeniable ways, unexplainable ways, ways that I see, ways that I don't see, ways that I'll see while I'm on earth and ways that I won't see. But Lord, just make me a conduit of blessing. If you're not a tither, maybe you need to continue to pray about it. I'm not asking you to start. It's between you and God. But maybe it's time to take the leap. (laughs) Never going to get easier. It's never going to get easier. Okay, when I go, when I break into six figures, I'll start tithing. Never get easier. Because that Mercedes is going to call your name. Because all of a sudden that 65-inch TV just isn't big enough. And you just got to go to 80. There will always, always be something. Those Aldo boots won't cut it. It's like, I just got to go to Barney's, Lord. I just, bless me, Lord. Okay. There will just, there will always be. So maybe, maybe you need to pray about that. But no matter where you're at, here's what I'd ask you to do. If, if you feel anything from me of pressure or weirdness or, oh, this is, here's what I would tell you to do. Take all of these principles and go do it somewhere. Come on, somebody. Like, partner with somebody. Because this will make your life big. And it'll help you. You hear my heart today? Y'all okay with me? No one's mad at me. Y'all okay with me? I love you. There are, I'm, I'm learning this, I'm learning this art that there are things that I, that I live that are really easy to talk about, but there are also things that I live that are a little weird to talk about. You know what I mean? Because it's like talking about people's money. So if, if you were uncomfortable, let me just calm your nerves I was a hundred times more uncomfortable (laughs) it's good for you it's good for all it's good to come to church sometimes and just be a little uncomfortable huh I don't know we love tension in sport games don't we ah there was a shootout at the at the night's game ah freaking out we love tension there we just don't like it in here We should start getting a better view of that, huh? Like, oh man, it was tense. James was talking about money. Oh, it was awesome. Got my heart racing. I was sweating, man. Glad when it was over. So if you're new, that whole thing wasn't a setup to an offering. We happen to receive an offering at the end of every service. So sorry. (laughs) This is what we do. How weird would that been, huh? You're like, whoa, what's going on? I'm like, bring something to the front. No, 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 no. Just relax. If you're a giver, let your faith rise today. Stand on God's word and God's promise.